0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the season finale of the Kraken Knights show. Uh, And as it's our season finale, we wanted to do something a little different and something for our listeners. With both teams now out of the playoffs, uh, it's not only the players' seasons that have been cut short. Obviously, it's ours as well. Um, Throughout the season, we have been... Uh, humbled, I guess, is the best word to use by the uh, numbers of listeners that we've had, the fact that the show has grown so much, uh, the feedback we've had, everything has been absolutely fantastic, and, and thank you for that. So it's certainly been one hell of a season, uh, and we wanted to say thank you with an episode dedicated to you, our listeners. So this is the Cracking Night Show. I'm your host Ian, with my co-host JP, as always, by my side. Uh, this week's going to see us answer your questions, so the ones that you've been sending in over the last week across various different platforms—Twitter, Facebook—and um, thank you for that. So, JP, are you ready to answer some questions?
1: Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. I'm, uh, I'm kind of excited to address some of this stuff. It's all the burning questions that you know that most fans have. Actually, a lot of common questions, right? A lot of a lot of people asking the same questions, so I'm I'm uh, excited to discuss this stuff. There was certainly some common themes, which is uh, which is
0: which is played out. Um, we obviously asked for these questions straight after the Vegas Golden Knights were officially knocked out of the playoffs. Um, so I'm not surprised with some of the themes that are in here. <laughs> you know, it won't come as a shock, JP, that some people asked around Pete DeBoer, which is uh, um, not a not a big shock uh, there's quite mm-hmm. a lot of management questions which we'll go through right um so what we're going to do and the way we're going to do this because we had 21 people that put questions forward uh, and we will name check you all um join the questions but uh, as a special thank you at the end as well but also that because there were themes across these 21 questions i've done my best to try and bulk them into topics so that we don't answer the questions in sort of weird Higgledy Piggledy order um we, yeah, I thought we'd have so we'd sound like there's a plan, yeah, it probably doesn't always happen on the cracking Night Show, but we thought we'd sound like there was actually a plan <laughs> right. behind this okay? right. actually
1: give the impression that we halfway know what we're doing, right <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly, yeah, like like maybe we prepped a little bit maybe. before we press record <laughs> so um, where to begin? there are so many good questions here, and I think the best one to start with, uh, and the one that has probably got some of the most talk is around the fan base so we had two questions jp that were sent in uh one of them was sent in by the real mr hoot and the other one was sent in by and i hope i'm going to get this twitter account name right it was ptac attack 30 um i've got in brackets sp because i think that's the name that's on there but the, the these two uh two guys sent in these two questions and both really have the same the same kind of theme so I'm not going to read them word for word but the question really is around how the fan base has reacted and the fact that this is the first real adversity that the team has had on this kind of scale Um, and you know we always say Twitter is not a good barometer for for anything in life certainly not uh, politics and sport but we have seen quite a bit of hatred flying around, both towards Vegas and uh, and from, from the fan base. Um, but do you, do you think that there is some fans now that will have been switched off, some fans that will have disappeared?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think especially, you know, there are some people who follow a sport more casually, right? They're maybe not the diehard. They're not checking on the team every day. And a lot, let's mm-hmm. face it, a lot of fans do sort of start paying very close attention towards the end of a season and going into playoffs. Maybe they keep an eye on it. I do think some of those more fringe fans, um, you know, are more likely mm-hmm. to sort of drop off the fans that are that that follow maybe a little bit more casually. Um, I also mm-hmm. think you and I have talked about this in the past. Some people follow sports for different reasons, right? and and some some fans, clearly, When you when you watch the conversation revolving around the knights, some fans really sort of wrap up their whole sort of moral and ethical fiber (laughs) into their sports teams in a way like they they feel like well if this if this sports team isn't matching all of my sort of ethical judgments and my moral judgments about how things should be done, I can't support that team. And I think some of you know I'm not that way. It's just sports. You know I don't have any control over the team. Like barring you know, tremendous crimes against humanity, like, I'm not going to stop supporting my team because the front office makes some decisions that that maybe I don't agree with. It doesn't mean you can't criticize them, of course, but but there are some fans who really take that stuff personally. They take it to heart, right? And I do think, you know, since the front office has been a little bit controversial, you know, borderline a little bit ruthless in their pursuit of victory and success— Some of those fans that get turned off by that, yeah, some of those might either leave or not support the team to the same degree. So I don't think there's any doubt that that it has some effect. All that being said, you also hear people saying things like, oh, the stands are going to be empty in two years and they're going to lose all their fans. I don't think that's true at all. The Knights are doing just fine. The games are still packed. Um, I don't think it's going to affect the Knights' bottom line success in any major way. So I mean, look, like, if you're comparing it to season one, that was insanity. Like, Vegas was so thirsty for sports. Like, there was a massive waiting list. It was hard to get tickets to games, right? That was unique. But I think they've yep. settled into a more kind of standard rhythm for a successful sports team. And there always is going to be some calling of fans and following after that initial excitement. So I think that's just, that's natural. And yeah, right? It's not not as much fun to watch your team lose. So, um, So yeah, to sum up, I'd say... Sure, are we going to lose a few? Probably, but uh, I don't think it will have a major impact on the organization or their bottom line or their finances or anything like that, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with you. And uh, you're always going to get fair weather fans as well. And I'm not suggesting Mm -hmm. that every fan that chooses not to go is a fair weather fan, but you you do naturally get that. Like you said, some people aren't as, you know, diehard when it comes to sports as others. It's just something they watch or something they do or something they follow. Right. Whereas for for others... It is their life. And, you know, look, there's, there's no right or wrong way. It's up to the person. Sure, um, exactly. But I was I was obviously talking to you pre-show, JP, about the NHL attendances. And I needed to find some way of getting stats into this show. So this was the best way of doing it. So the highest NHL attendance percentage uh, in 2021-2022 was the Vegas Golden Knights with 104%. Because of the weirdness of the way they count it. Right. Um, even if that dropped by 10%. So here's, here's some teams that you maybe wouldn't expect to have such low percentages. The bottom three percentages in the league were Buffalo at 50%, Ottawa at 54, Arizona at 67, or in their new arena. 167,000% because they can only get 1,000 people in, but fine. Right. Um, <laughs> so I had to get that in there somewhere. It's the last episode of the series. I have to, it has to be the last dig at Arizona before we uh, sign off. Got to um, take a little and, jab, um, yeah. But just while we're jabbing at teams um, and remembering that we are, we are all sharks, apparently, um, <laughs> that, that, that only equates to 71% attendance. That's pretty bad. So if there are any Sharks fans listening to this podcast, firstly, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Yeah. Uh, and and <laughs> secondly, where are what, where's all this love for the Sharks when it comes to actually paying for tickets? Because apparently it doesn't happen. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And you might say, well, they're, they're doing crap. Okay, let's look at some other teams then. So Florida Panthers, who are our president trophy winners, were the best team in the league and have been destroying teams except for when they got destroyed by the by Canadians in a very weird game. But still seventy-five hmm. percent attendance, and that's an average, okay? Shocking. Um you've got LA, eighty percent average attendance in a season that you know they've made the playoffs and it's so having a hundred percent attendance is a bit of a freak occurrence in the, uh, in the NHL. There is only, as I, as I read this here, as an average, by the way, guys, uh, seven teams who average a hundred percent: Washington, Tampa, Seattle, Boston, Minnesota, Nashville and Vegas. So you know I, I think the Vegas fan base is strong. I think it hurts right now, and I think, after this offseason, There'll be hope and, you know, for a new season, a new set of results. And this year will get forgotten pretty quick.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like it's only been for me, it's only been a couple of days, right? Playoffs officially mm-hmm. start today. Um, I'm already over it. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, it stings to see your team go out. We knew it was coming, though. It's not like it was a surprise. Mm-hmm. So and to be honest, even the fans, too. You know this as well as I. It's really tiring to go through a playoff run with your team, especially if they go deep. Like, it's exhausting. You know, you're you're nervous and you're you're amped, and it's like the stakes get higher the deeper you go. And so, in some ways, I'm kind of happy to have a little break myself. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, look, look yeah, yeah. it yeah. sounds silly to complain about it. I'm not complaining. But, man, conference finals, like, three times out of four, four seasons, like, that's some nerve-wracking business i mean i remember year one just a just a quick little aside year one when we when we made the stanley cup final i remember uh game one of the stanley cup final i did not go to that one i did go to game two but i remember my <laughs> i remember my wife we woke up that morning and it was the day of game one of the stanley cup final my my, my wife was like I'm so nervous. Like I'm, so, And then it was that, I don't know if you remember, it was that crazy game against the Capitals where they exchanged leads like four times. It was just this <laughs> loosey-goosey, like pandemonium game. And, uh, and afterwards, she was like, I almost didn't even enjoy that, you know, because she was just mm. so nervous, right? It's like, we're in the finals. So, you know, it takes its toll on the fans too. So I think the fans could probably use just a little breather, like, you know, four or five months to kind of, Glare your head, and like you said, come back fresh. So not complaining, but... Uh, like I say, the the Seattle fans that listen to this podcast... Yeah, they're hating are like right
0: screaming, going, are you seriously telling me? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're happy not to <laughs> yeah, make the playoffs. exactly. So um, yeah, there's no nerves in that Seattle building right now. So no, uh, there's no, a lot of relieved people that the season's over. Um, sure. So y- you mentioned about management, so we're going to stick with that because that was one of the other kind of major topics that was uh, discussed, which is, again, not a massive surprise. Um, the management has had a lot, a lot of heat throughout the season. It started with the off-season in the event that is now known as the event that shall not be named, um, and and it, it kind of carried on. It's one of those where if you're going to make a call that big and, and, and piss off half your fan base, probably a slightly higher percentage than that, you better get it right because if you don't, boy, they're going to remember everything you said, which, which obviously has come to pass. Mm-hmm. So, the first question uh, comes from Craig and he asks, Who survives as a night still? Uh, and when he says that, he means both management and players.
1: Yeah, that's um, uh, thanks for that question, Craig. Um, Craig and I chat quite a bit online, and he's always got um you know, uh, insightful things to say about the team. I, um, that's the million dollar question. Uh, and, and it's a very hard one to predict because the Knights organization is so incredibly private. Right. And, um, I was listening to, you know, Elliot Friedman, you know, his, what is it? 32 thoughts podcast, I think is what they call it. Um, or he might've been, actually he might've been a guest on somebody else's podcast, but He's, I respect him more than, I mean, he's like one of my favorite sort of NHL insiders, NHL journalists. His information is usually spot on. He's also just very sort of delicate and political and sort of mindful in the way that he says things like he's, he's careful to sort of try to keep it objective. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. he was saying some interesting things about sort of the behind the scenes a little bit uh, here towards the end of the season. Um, and he was kind of suggesting that there is maybe a little bit of tension behind the scenes. Like we had talked about this earlier in the season, that there was some locker room stuff. It seemed like maybe the locker room wasn't right. Um, aside from all the injuries mm. and craziness, but he, he said, he kind of mentioned that maybe the Leonard situation is a little bit touchy right now. Like Leonard was kind of really unhappy with the team there towards the end, like playing injured, but they weren't announcing that he was injured and it made him look bad. And, um, mm. And, and he kind of basically said, like, look, that's a bit of a powder keg and some probably some news is going to come out in the off season that's going to shed some light on things that were going on there. So uh, I guess what I'm getting around to is I don't know that the Knights would necessarily be looking to move Leonard, but if he's that unhappy, I could see Leonard maybe wanting to move on. And this is total – I'm just spitballing. I don't really have any evidence – to Support that other than what Friedman suggested, but but I but it did feel weird, like, like the whole thing with Leonard there towards the end did feel strange. I was like, something's going on there, like, it, you know, they and then he was out there for a period and then they pulled him, but it wasn't a bad period. Like, I don't know if you if you remember that game, but um, mm-hmm. you know, towards the end there, he played one period, only let in one goal, and then they benched him and put in um Logan Thompson. And so, anyway, like I said, it's a lot of um, speculating. So, but, but, you know, (laughs) I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, is if Leonard got moved or he requested to be moved, I would not be terribly shocked by that. I'm not so sure that's going to happen, but I, I, it just wouldn't surprise me. Um, as far as like predicting who else, I think if we're just talking cap stuff, like you and I have said this, like Riley Smith, surely he's moving on. I you know, I I think we've probably seen Smith's last game as a knight. They can't I just don't think they can afford him. I think they're they're pretty deep in, in forwards. Like I th- I think it's highly likely he's probably moving on. Um as mm-hmm. far as the other players, like, you know, kind of all bets are off. A lot of people seem to be saying, like, Nick Haig, like, he's great. We love him. The team loves him. Um, but in terms of defense, like the team's deep on defense. They played most of the season without Haig. He was injured this year and I think they do have to kind of give him a new contract now so um, you know that's the kind of player that like it's not that they wouldn't want him but in this cap situation I could see them being like okay yeah we'll let we'll let Hague move on or or trade him you know try to move him to get something for him before his contract expires or um, you know and otherwise like look with the cap situation that they're gonna lose at least three or four players they'd have to um, yeah, the, yeah you know that's just how and it's how it goes every season so You know, let's brace ourselves for that. As far as um, front office and coaching, I've said this before, if Pete DeBoer goes, I don't think it's because of anything performance related. If anything, it would be maybe because there's a rift with management or because or with ownership or, um, you know, because maybe he's lost the locker room a little bit. And sometimes those things can happen through no fault of the coach at all. So wouldn't be saying anything mm-hmm. bad about DeBoer. Um, you know, the other thing is who are they going to hire in his place? I know Quenville has kind of put his name back into the hat. Like I saw in the news, like Joel oh, Quenville is looking yeah. for a coaching job. And, but I mean, I don't know who, who, you know, who they're going to replace him with. So you know, my gut tells me DeBoer is probably not going unless it's all just rage from Foley, you know, and Foley's like, this is unacceptable. And, um, what Elliot Friedman also said, though, which I think is really important, I think the team needs to sort of stay quiet and calm and, like, breathe for a second. Like, they need to not go in and just make a bunch of drastic decisions, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? So it may be a little while, right? It, I think a lot of fans thought maybe heads were going to be rolling, like, today, you know? Nah, I think they're going to sit on it for a second. I think whatever happens is going to kind of roll out slowly over the off Um, Management, like, as far as the front office, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you think, Ian. I don't see them going anywhere. I don't think they're going to can McCrimmon or McPhee. Like, do you, I, I don't see them moving those guys. Yeah. No, I, I don't.
0: And, uh, and it's, uh they So we've, we've gone through a multitude of, of questions, Uh but just to give a quickly shout out to the, the obviously Craig was the person who asked the, the question for the management, but Chris uh, Collins also asked around the changes to the front office. Yeah. Um, as well. Uh, I, I, I think um, that you are going to see the exact same lineup coaching and GM wise that you have right now. And I know that's not what people want to hear, Um, but I, I don't think that the general feeling from the, from the Vegas front office is that this is DeBoer's fault. I think they think that this is a bad year that was, you know, somewhat out of their control. I think that's probably how they console themselves is they don't really see it as that they did anything wrong. They just see it as being, if it wasn't for the injuries, it would have been all right in the night. Um, whether that's right or not, well, we'll find out next year because you can't use that excuse twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't see DeBoer going uh, and I'm not sure he should either to be honest. I know some people don't rate him, but and I don't like, you know, none of us know what the Lena rift is or if there is a rift or, you know, or if something's been said, we don't know that. I, I wasn't in the locker room. Lenna's not rang me. The ball's not rang me, saying, "Oh Jesus Christ, that Robin's a pain right. in the ass." But so, or vice versa, it, it, it's really you know. Sometimes you've just got to not put two and two together and get fifty six. You've just got to breathe. And it was interesting that uh, that that they said that on 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 the, whether like you said whether it was the thirty two forts podcast or it was a separate piece, but. You know, I agree with him. It's exactly what I said in the last episode. Uh, not that he's copying me or anything, but uh, <laughs> but if, if Friedman is listening to this, then uh, I said it first. Uh, and that, that was that they, they need to breathe. You know, it's, yeah. it's very easy when your emotions are running high, like now, to start saying, burn it all down, you know, trade this guy and we need to go for youth or God, look at so-and-so's team and the way they play. We need to play like them. Like you don't need to do any of that. You just need to take a breath, Get into the off season, and 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 then the changes. Well, this is the NHL, and we're in a cap constrained league. So, you know, guess what? That means you're going to have to make some changes, and that some of them are going to hurt. Some of them are not going to hurt, and and we'll cover the off season in a bit more detail when we get to those questions. But I I don't see that happening. I mean, when it, two of the other questions that came in. So one was sent in from um, I hope I'm getting this surname right. I think it's Mike Guido, and the other one came in from a person's name which i don't particularly want to pronounce on this show but the second name is hermit he'll know who he is um and um you know the first question was around there being a powder keg um and you know do we think that deborah deserves another year Uh, and also the question around will they re-sign riley um and i got ahead of us one, and answered
1: a couple of those already didn't i
0: <laughs> yep we did we did that's fine absolutely fine and the second one was around the way in which the stuff with Lena was handled so we can probably take a nice segue here before we come back to the offseason over to the lenna stuff because everything i just said about Deboer not being sacked goes completely out the window if the lenna thing is true right if the if there is a rift between Lena and DeBoer, then the simple conundrum is somebody isn't going to be there next year. Mm. That might mm-hmm. be Lena, that might be De Boer, but somebody's not going to be there because it doesn't work. If you can't have your number one piece, and it was um, McPhee himself that said, you build a team from the net out. That was his exact, exact words. When he drafted Marc-Andre Fleury, he said that he was wanted to build a team from goalie centers d wing in that kind of order so i don't see him suddenly going away from that now no. and risking a rift between the two if that rift exists and that's a really big if because i personally don't believe it does yeah. i think players and and coaches fall out all the time because coaches always want to do what they think's best players obviously always want to play and i can understand that and if Leonard was playing injured, I could see why it would it would annoy him. Um, because, And I don't think it would have annoyed him so much if everybody on social media kind of didn't get on his back quite so much. It's very right. easy. And I, look, I've seen this in Seattle as well. It's very easy to pick on the goalie because you're kind of the last line of defence. Um, and your statistic is always there in like big, bold numbers. But it would be... Because the two questions we had... Uh, one was from uh, Rita, uh, reliable Rita, who has, has been what, listening. I was going to say watching, listening to this show forever. Yeah. Um, so I like, Rita, you I are like Rita. Yeah, our she's, hero. She's always fun to um, chat
1: with, yeah. Yeah,
0: or her win. Um. And yeah, so she came with a question, which was, does Lena come back next season or is the rift between him and PDB uh, unfixable? Or is PDB just gone? And I think that's a great question because, you know, as I was just saying, if the rift is real, I don't see how you move forward with both of them here. Now, trading Lerner isn't as simple as you would think. Uh, he will have, he does have a no movement clause, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't got cat friendly up right now, but I, I think, think you're pretty right. certain he's got a no movement clause in there. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, <laughs> you know, they're worth about as much as the paper they're written on because if you waive it then so be it and if teams forget they exist then they come out obviously about three hours after trade deadline shuts um but they're not particularly like trade stoppers in terms of no movement clauses right but they went all in on lena right they that was their guy Mm -hmm. I, i just don't know what lena has done this year that makes you think he's not our guy i just don't Maybe I'm being overly kind to Lana and and if Vegas fans want to tell me that I'm talking crap, please. You know, my Twitter account is always available for you to to hail abuse at me. It's perfectly fine. Um, But it's, I just don't, like his save percentage wasn't that bad. Okay. If, If Seattle can look at Grubauer and say, not a great year, but you know, we still believe in him. I just don't see what Lena has done to deserve this kind of like Wicker Man style, you know, statues of Lena being set alight. And I, I know that's not actually happening, but that's what it feels like is happening because yeah. it really feels like, man, if we didn't have Lena, we would have made the playoffs. And I think that's, that's just not true. Yeah. That's just really not true. So yeah. I hope there is no rift um, because if there is, either you're going to lose
1: a really good goalie or you're going to lose a good coach yeah exactly. and th- and that would be unfortunate. And honestly, like w- w- we've discussed this so many times, and the the fan base has discussed it till they're blue in the face, so we won't dredge it all up here again. But obviously, the sort of the history of how the whole goalie situation with the team has evolved is a huge part of why Leonard gets a lot of, in my opinion, unfair sort of heat and criticism, right? The whole flurry thing. Like we know how that all mm. went. And so we don't have to sort of comment on that again. but, um, oh no! But, but yeah, but he and everybody's got you know it's such a polarizing um, topic among the fan base. But yeah, I think here's the other thing that people have to remember. Like, let's just use Flurry as an example, right? He had kind of a rough season. his when his father passed away, and he he definitely was not at his best that year. He didn't have a great year, and that was the year that Leonard was able to kind of step in and and sort of take the net away and. Uh, got mm-hmm. the team really deep in the in the playoffs during the bubble and all that, and and then you know Flurry bounced back the next year and won the Vesna. So the other thing is, just because a goalie has a rough season, doesn't mean that that's it. Like that they they can't turn around and have an amazing season. I think if Leonard he had two really bad injuries this year um it's it's you know now come out uh, i think it was a shoulder and a knee if i'm not mistaken um you know he had to go go, ahead to go have surgery just now you know recently i don't know if he's had it yet but basically he kind of tapped out a little bit early a couple games early to go have surgery so um you know that's going to affect your performance you know and that's probably part of why leonard if he was frustrated that's probably part of it he's like look i'm injured nobody knows i'm injured and everybody's criticizing me for not doing better, and I'm out here playing with a, you know, with my shoulders busted. And look, I could get mm-hmm. how that might feel. But um, and the other thing about rifts between people, look, people have disagreements and get mad at each other all the time. But people also mend fences and patch things up. So just because there's, you know, two people maybe don't like each other, or they get upset with each other, doesn't mean in pro sports people work out their differences too, just like in life. So it doesn't mean that DeBoer and and you know, Leonard can't bury the hatchet. Right. Like they have some off season time. True. They have a little chat, you know, and work out whatever bitterness there might be there. People do that all the time. And athletes are capable of that as well. So, yeah, I also even if there is a rift between them, it's not it doesn't mean that it's can't possibly be resolved. Right. It doesn't mean that they just have to hate each other forever. Like I said, and this is all speculation. We don't even know if that's true. But. Um, but yeah, Elliot Friedman's comments, you know, kind of make it sound like maybe there's some sort of tension going on and maybe it's not between Leonard and the coach. Maybe it's between Leonard and the front office. I mean, who knows? Right. But, um, it's a really I, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have to breathe and just like <laughs> wait and see. Right. But, uh, anyway, what are we going to say there, Ian? Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's just so it's, so it's just a little
0: segue. It popped into my head because, um, and, um, Vegas Joe or the, v- GK Joe, as uh, as you are on Twitter, uh, obviously asked if this was leonard's last season. So to kind of sum all that up, I I, d- I don't think it is, and I think you're right in terms of what you said in, about the rift and people reading a little too much into things. I mean, there was a classic one, and we're going to come on to Jack Eichel now, um and and those that follow us on Twitter will have seen um a post, a tweet that I put out, um, and that uh, gained a little bit of traction. So we say around the whole Jack Eichel thing. And a classic, in my opinion, uh, reading too much into things was the comment about Jack Eichel rolling his eyes at the end of the game, and and the people were saying, "Oh, he was rolling his eyes because everybody was going over to Logan Thompson, and you know he's not a team player, he's a bad locker room guy, and he you know he doesn't give a crap." You just think, I doubt it. I think more likely is that, like most of us, it was a very emotional game. He's probably. Like he could be pissed off at his own performance. Like who knows? Um, And uh, and he rolled his eyes. I roll my eyes all the time. You know, my wife does it always. Funnily enough, when I'm talking, but she rolls her eyes like so. It doesn't particularly mean (laughs) right right, that it's 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 aimed at one specific thing or that he was rolling. Like it's just. And that's the problem with these things is you can you can really quickly take this stuff well out of well out of context, well out of proportion, Mm. and. You know, I mean, maybe it's just going to take, if there is a rift, maybe it takes the board to sit down with Lerner and say, look, you know, you know what it's like here. We don't come out and talk about injuries and then they patch it together and, you know, it's all, it's all fine, ready sure. for a new season. Mm-hmm. I, you know, And I hope that's the case because um, it would be, uh, as I said, there is no winner in that trade. If you lose Lerner, I think you'll regret it. Because I can tell you now, as somebody who's got two of them, um, there's a lot more bad goalies than good goalies in the league, and mm. um, just ask the numerous amount of teams that have been sp- well, have spent years trying to get a good goalie. You know, and looking at people, looking at you, Toronto. You know, looking at various other teams throughout the league who would have killed for the goalies that you guys have had in the, in the five or so years that you guys have been running. So, and now Jack Eichel is the Next question for us to hop over to. Um, and it came from uh Marty, so from the uh, from our friends over at the uh, two guys and a league and some other stuff in the acronym <laughs> <a> podcast. <laughs> <Sorry>. It's <laughs> a not long, in front of me, guys. I very, apologize. Very long name, we'll get it right. You here. can, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can, you can rip me when we do our uh, drunk. Uh, special, whenever that's going to be, um, but the he's, he asked, does a full season of Jack Eichel mean better
1: results? And I presume he means for both him and the team. Mm. I, I mean, I'm going to say a resounding yes. All controversy mm-hmm. aside, look at Jack Eichel's numbers. I mean, look, he, this is a Jack. This is a guy who's not playing probably at his full capacity yet. I don't think we've seen Jack Eichel is not back in peak form. He's <laughs> getting there. I think by next season he probably will hit, but he'll be get back to his peak form. And um you would have to you're better with stats than I am, and I don't have them in front of me, but I th- wanna say he scored thirteen goals, something like that. In Oh he's
0: so, so good, mate. So good. So he's did I get he's it. He scored. Yeah, he scored. And just just for those people that were like, oh, he disappears in the big games. Um, you know, yeah, okay. So, but moving on from, from that um, horrendously biased comment, um, he's 25 points in 34 games. Right. Uh, he has, which is not bad, uh, 14 of those are goals, 11 assists, and a plus minus of plus three. Mm-hmm. Um, but- it, you know, plus minus is kind of a bit contextuous anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's going with the full seasons. We had do have to go back a few years to see a full season because of his injuries. But in 2019-20, which is uh before chaos took over our, our league and lives, um, he scored seventy-eight points in sixty-eight games. Uh the year before that he scored eighty-two points in seventy-seven games uh, and for those of you that want to say, yeah, but it was on Buffalo, I would say, yeah, it was on Buffalo. Uh, and he scored 64 points in 67 games in 27, 2017, sorry, 2018.
1: So give or take, he's a point per game player. Mm-hmm. Yep. and 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 if you consider the state of the team... Right. The the kind of constant revolving door of players moving in and out of the lineup for the short time that he has been able to play this year. This is a guy who hadn't played competitive hockey in a year recovering from mm-hmm. surgery, and he still managed to put up that kind of production with a bunch of different line mates, like not in full form in a new team on a new team in a new city. He's never mm-hmm. played on another NHL team. This is the first time he's ever moved. He's dealing with living in a new city. He's dealing with a million things, and he still scored all those points in that mm-hmm. context. So you bet. It, when Jack Eichel is, when uh, let's say next year we have some good fortune and the Knights lineup is dialed in and they've got chemistry and they're really rocking it and they're kind of maximizing their potential, guaranteed Eichel will be killing it. I, I, I can't see any way he wouldn't be. I think he'll definitely be back to a point per game or more. And so um that's agree. That's really valuable. So absolutely I think Jack Eichel is um proving his worth already. I don't think we could have expected yep. him to to do much better than that in the contact, you know, considering the situation and um I think I think he's I doing agree. great and then he's not even really right he's not even really playing with same line mates yet he hasn't even really gotten to settle in so i think he's a, a tremendously high ceiling and he's not even close to reaching it yet yeah but he rolled his eyes
0: jp he rolled his <laughs> eyes okay so he's dead to us now um no, <laughs> we're joking it's not like he like you said all those things and this is the stuff we forget about because you know i saw and and it's not this isn't me hating on on Buffalo, because I don't, I don't have any ill hate towards Buffalo. I'm not a Vegas fan, so there's no, there's, there is no, you know, bad. I, I, I think I can understand why, you know, they're, uh, they're, they, they feel like they do, and that's that's fine. But I think one of the comments that was made about it was, um, was him was the comments that he made after the after the game, and and you know, yeah, in hindsight, was that a stupid thing to say? Yeah, probably. He shouldn't have let more from a side of the. You know, when someone gets to you, you're better off not letting them know that they got to you. That kind of thing. But that's right. like, he, his, he is. Let's find this out now, just so I don't get his age horrendously wrong. Um, because at my age, everybody seems like they're 21, but he's 25, right? Okay. And I think back to when I was 25, and I mean, look, I'm I'm 36, and I still say some stupid right because you just do so and i say stuff that later on i think uh what did i say that for right or you know that didn't help or especially when you're like you know we've all done that we've done that at work where we've reacted to something that we shouldn't have done and people could say but he's a professional sports star he shouldn't do that well then you know look don't shove a microphone in their face two seconds after they finish and and expect (laughs) right to be like complete clarity like every it just happens i don't think it was you know it's just it's it was a game that he really wanted to win and um you know it obviously it was it was he was bitter afterwards but I, I he hit this trade was a good trade i don't i disagree with the comment that you know that they're saying that the vegas season went downhill after they traded him i think that's complete crap and yes there are some cap gymnastics that are going to have to happen now you know but every team has that and if you're going to go trade for the best players in the world, Vegas, then, you know, you're going to have some cap gymnastics. You're going to sign people like Pechangelo, you know, get patch All these players that are on big contracts, like there's going to be some cap gymnastics. But point per game player is what he will be next year. And Vegas are a better team with him. You know, it's as simple as that. So that is jack eichel done and dusted uh, uh mr ward you're probably wondering where your question is i'm saving you till last because your question was a nice one for us to finish on so moving down my little list of questions here and i'm going to pick up one and we're going to take it to seattle now because it's been a lot of vegas chatter uh and and rightly so because there's a lot of stuff to cover with vegas but there is two sides to this podcast and uh and two sets of questions that we had in. So the question that we had on Seattle season, I had this from a couple of people, but Marty uh, was the person who sent it in first. Um, And the the question is, was it a successful season for Seattle? And I'm happy to answer that, JP, or you can answer it. It's up to you.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, look, Seattle fans may not feel this way. I, I think for me, especially considering they're an expansion team. And I know coming from a Vegas fan, nobody wants to hear this. Vegas was an <laughs> anomaly. That's just not the typical, that's just not the typical path for expansion teams. Mm-hmm. I I think it was a successful season. I mean, I don't think the goal was ever to come in and, and have a championship team right out of the gate or to even have a playoff team right out of the gate. And I think behind closed doors, I think the front office at Seattle probably said look we'll take it if we can make it happen but but they probably knew that like okay yeah we're it's gonna be a rough season we're you know we're gonna win some but you know really it's about establishing culture it's about building relationship with your fans you know seattle has knocked it out of the park in so many ways you know the arena's great the the jerseys are man those jerseys are are arguably some of the best or if if not the best in the NHL. The design is amazing, like the color scheme is amazing. I love the whole Kraken theme, the whole, you know, maritime theme. Like, so as far as marketing, it's a total win. And those things are really important. That's what keeps the team going, right? You have to make money. It has to be a product that people enjoy. And um, you know, they've knocked it out of the park in all those areas. So yeah, obviously you want to win on the ice. Um, but I mean, look at like these these sort of player relationships with fans. Look at TANev, and you know, it's there's a lot of really good things going on for Seattle. And I do think it was a success. I just think maybe not in the way that a fan might have been hoping for or that a fan might expect. But remember, success isn't just winning. These are businesses. And if you want to keep mm-hmm. a team in Seattle, Seattle has to they have to make money. They have to have cash flow. Um, or they're not mm-hmm. going to stay, right? Uh, that, I mean, that mm-hmm. bottom line, if a team hemorrhages money long enough, you won't have a team anymore. So I think they laid important groundwork to establish Seattle as a longstanding hockey franchise in that city. So, yeah, I, th- I think it was definitely a success. I mean, obviously, you want to see them win. And so that's that's next, right? But um it, It's a long-term process, and for the first year, absolutely. I'd like to see him improve some next year. That's my main thing. If they can, <laughs> if if next year they yep. have a better season, then I think you've got nothing to worry about. I think it's like, no, they're they're doing good. Like they're on the right track, you know. So, I don't know. What do you think, Ian? How do you feel about it? Um. Yeah. Look, I've I've got mixed feelings. I, th- I think uh,
0: we, I think we ex- we expected to be in the mix a little more than we hmm. were. I don't think anybody expected it to be a championship winning team, but I, I would have liked to have seen Seattle a little more competitive than what they were. I, I still think that the team are uh, maybe less so now because of the trades, but the team on day one wasn't quite as bad as then what we saw on the ice. I agree. You know, and whether we want to blame Grubau, the goal is like fine, whatever, like we've done that to death. But mm-hmm. I think for them to be so far off the pace was, it was a little disappointing but I'm hundred percent with you marketing tech um the arena and the experience obviously we talked to um Gordon uh, uh, you know a, a quite a few episodes ago now uh, and he told us about the experience that he had um and and he's, he's a Brit so he knows what he's talking about um in in Seattle and 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 the arena experience the music the you know the the chance they all that kind of stuff the pregame you know experience as well or just everything about it they've just nailed so mm-hmm. as a market like they did they did what they wanted to do like the Kraken is is well and truly embedded into Seattle's culture now um it would they would have been nice for them to have won something uh, or I said or been at least close mm-hmm. but Um, in terms of whether this season was a success it's hard to call it a success but i think there was a lot to like yeah the the question of whether it will be a success comes on i believe it's may 10th when we have the draft lottery because Mm -hmm. there's nothing worse than having a crap season and then getting the fourth overall pick (laughs) right because like you don't want that if you're going to be bad you want to be bad 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 as we've talked about this before where like next season like nobody wants to just make it into the playoffs next season and get dumped out in the first round. You either want to be in the mix for Conor Bedard or you want to be winning the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah. So I think if we get the first overall pick and it's you know Shane Wright or you know that's what people generally think, and we'll do an episode on the draft closer to it. But then I think it is a successful season. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And there's, there's lots to like. You know, Benias has been fantastic since he came onto the ice. You know, he's only played a handful of games, but the kid looks absolutely outstanding. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ryan Donato's been fantastic this season. This is a kid that's been written off by about nine other teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, He came into Seattle and he's really like, he's, there'll be a lot of front office that probably weren't expecting him to play like he is. And now they've got a problem because He's an RFA, and you're sat there thinking, okay. So, how much do we pay this guy? Because is he going to play like this next season? Do we sign him long term? Do we give him a like a bridge deal? Um, he's really put the cat amongst the pigeons with his with his play this season, which is fantastic. Carson Coleman came across on waivers from Boston, and you know the the kid has showed grit and determination, which is which is fantastic to see. Like you said, Tanev is, in my opinion, Seattle's next captain. You know mm-hmm. he's he's mm-hmm. a fan favorite. And like he just looked amazing when he was playing. Like, Didn't he? Seattle definitely lost some of their fight when he got injured because he was such a such a big character on the ice. I, I To be honest, I really feel like he was being the captain since the first game. I know Geo wore the C, and, and I don't know what was going on in the locker room, but I know what I saw in the ice. And, and Tanev, at times, picked that team up and, and carried them on his back. Mm-hmm. So with a better goalie tandem the team we've got next year some off-season moves which we'll come to later i yeah there's a lot to like about the season it's mm-hmm. just a bit disappointing because unfortunately whether we can't get away from it vegas set a benchmark and even the most realistic of seattle fans there was that little voice in your head that was saying
1: but what if we do go all the way and exactly. uh, and i think that's the yeah. bit
0: you couldn't you can't help but feel uh, disappointed about yeah
1: of course and of course you're going to hope for that we all want our teams to do well so and the fact that it's possible, right? So I, I, I totally understand why people would think that. And, and you know, well, Vegas did it. Why can't we? And, of course, you should absolutely have that attitude, right? Like, the sky's the limit. Shoot for the stars. And um, But, yeah, I, I agree with you, right? There's some – and I think t- losing Tanev had a bigger impact on the team probably even than we realize. Like you said, sometimes those locker room personalities – can really galvanize the team. That definitely happened with Vegas. I mean, you know, Fleury, Nate Schmidt, David Perron, mm. like some of these first mm. year guys, they were really big on morale for the team. They I think they had a huge effect on locker room morale. And so and you're right, Tanev was amazing out there. He was leading on the ice, no doubt leading off the ice. Um and so I'm sure losing him was a big blow to the team. And that kind of that really matters, you know, that makes a big difference. So that's just bad luck, right? That's not because anybody did anything wrong. That's just because eh, it's just hockey mate. Yeah, sometimes things talking. happen and um you know, but yeah, I, I agree with you. There's you know some Im- room for improvement, but um, but in my opinion, trending in the right direction, you know.
0: Exactly. And um the next question on the Seattle side nicely flows from that one, was from uh and hopefully I am pronouncing your surname right, and if I am not then blame the british accent um but i believe it's luis quintana so hopefully i've got that right uh if i haven't please do let me know <laughs> and say man you butchered my name and please just call me Lewis going forward <laughs> um and um so they have asked uh, whether or not i think that the line combos will be the same next year uh or will they be moved around and it's a good question because it'd be interesting to see actually what Seattle do in the off-season, whether they kind of go big or actually they just stick with what they've got and build through the draft. It'll be it'll be quite an interesting off-season for them because they've got cap space. They've got no issues there. They're not doing any cap gymnastics on the, on the Seattle side. Um, but there is a, a risk that you kind of go for broke and and you regret it. So it'll be interesting to see what they uh, what they do on that side. Uh, the line that he's mentioned, one that he's been impressed with, is the Donato, uh, Benias and Eberly line, and and I agree with him. I think you know um, Benias has looked fantastic since he came in, and I think Donato makes a perfect sense for him being with him. To me, that's probably the Seattle second line in in twenty. 22-23 season um and you know it might be a lot to ask Benias to play second line center when he's only a young kid but he's 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 shown that he can he can take that kind of pressure so mm-hmm. but I would expect lines to get moved around for all that we just said a minute ago about it being a successful season that's not what the coach is going to be thinking and defensively I've I've not been impressed with Quite a few starters, Adam Larson. I've been disappointed with Um, Vince Dunn. You know, I've been quite vocal on this podcast about my disappointment for him. How he got a plus one in the latest EA rosters on an HR twenty two, I don't know because like they must be watching a different game to me. I I, I, I think he's looked really bad defensively, but you know, fine. Um, So, to answer your question, I think the lines will change, but. One of the things that is clearly working at the moment is uh, you know Matty B's lines, so I don't see that changing. And we'll, we'll see what they do in the off season, and, and we'll uh, no doubt have an off season special episode to delve into more detail on that. So there's a couple of questions that we have to go through, uh, JP. A lot of them are around the Vegas off season, so I'm going to try and pull these together. And there's a really nice question. From Burnsy three one one as well, which I do want to pick up on, um, and I think we will save that one until later. But in terms of off season, the question that came from Mike, which kind of is going to kickstart us into this off season discussion, is: Has the current group in Vegas peaked?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, and and that's you know that's sort of an A or B, yes or no question. I, I think maybe the answer is a little more complicated than that. I I, mm-hmm. I don't think they've peaked. In, maybe in the way that you're thinking, mm-hmm. right? Like we think, well, there's kind of this cup window, and you know, and that is true. There is a window, and you do you do eventually your sort of cap implications. You have to you know start to pay the price for sort of stretching the cap so far. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we're quite there yet. I I, th- I think uh, this roster is. healthy roster that can find some chemistry with just the the roster as it stands right now is easily a cup contender in my opinion and I think that goes for next year too Um, Mm -hmm. in terms of you know that's just in terms of the roster and the way it's built I do think that if we were going to speak about maybe a different element and I don't think it's maybe appropriate to say they've peaked but I do think that that misfit team culture from year one I think that identity has perhaps run its course a little bit. And so in that regard, I think they've peaked. I think, I think this, it's a different team. It's a different group of guys. They have a different reputation and a different identity. Now, you know, Vegas is Mm -hmm. the team that everybody loves to hate everybody. You know, you and I were talking about this right before we went on the air here. The, um, Vegas is, is the big villain in the league right now you know, every, pe- people, but here's the thing everybody is always talking about Vegas always, the league constantly talks about Vegas and what they're doing and whether or not they're winning and whether even if it's like or if it's hate uh, people are always talking about this franchise and so I do think that they're going to need to embrace their new identity to some degree right? Mm-hmm. If, if Vegas has to be the bad guys in the league great, that's fine you know, hate away. And I do, th- I think Vegas is going to have to embrace the reputation of kind of being that ruthless, kind of win at all cost team. I'm not saying that they shouldn't treat their players well. Like, I understand that that's a sore point for a lot of people, you know, and there's a lot of speculation there too. We don't necessarily know how they treat their players. We think we know, but, um, you know, there's some suggestions to that. But um, so I do think maybe they've peaked in terms of what people, what fans expect Vegas can be. They can't be that first-year team anymore. And so I think the sooner we can let go of that idea, that's probably you know, probably a healthy thing. I'm not saying that they always have to be the bad guys either. but um, So in, ter- in that regard, I think that attitude and that way of being is probably behind us. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I think the other thing that it's-, it's probably not appropriate to say it peaked, but I think one thing that they do need to get on top of so that they haven't peaked I think they do need to figure out sort of they need to get the the heart back, kind of get the fun back, if you will. Like they need to get back to where like it's a positive thing. They're enjoying playing hockey. They're having a good time. They're loose. Um, Hmm. And so, you know, maybe that's a little bit of an aside. But like I think when sometimes people feel like they've peaked, I think it's because you're sensing what happened this season was they had a really rough year. The team's morale was really low and you can feel that. You could see it on the ice. You could see it on the bench. Um, and this happens sometimes. So, you know, I, I think it's easy to confuse that for, oh, this team is peaked. They're done. Like that's it. I don't think that's true. Mm. I just think, like you said, good team, rough season. So if they can fix a few of those things, this team is loaded with talent. So no, i don't I don't think they've peaked. I just think they have a few little bumps in the road that they need to fix, a few things they need to take care of. Maybe a couple of team culture you know, th- things that they could potentially address. Maybe, um, you know, like, like you said, maybe if there's a little bit of a rift, maybe they need to address those things, who knows. But no, in, in terms of raw ability, n- this team is not peaked by any means. I think they're easily a cup contender, barring some of the craziness that happened this year, which a lot of was just bad luck, you know?
0: Yep, yep. And you uh, you answered uh, one of Bernsie's uh, questions there in terms of, repairing the team's culture Mm. uh he was uh, pointing to the fact that the culture that was there in prior seasons he obviously nicely touched on that and i I agree i think vegas after having such a good start was always going to have to kind of reinvent itself a little bit Mm -hmm. um you kind of do under a new coach anyway it's just obviously uh it's um like you said it's more the general feeling on the ice than it is tactics or certain plays. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, one of the other things that was asked, uh, and i just to kind of tick this one off before we go full off season mode, but a couple of people messaged in, and uh, Burnsy was one of them as well, uh, around Riley Smith and him being kind of a must re sign guy and whether we think he is or isn't and the one thing that i'm going to mention uh, because it nicely points into two questions so we had that question from bernsey and then um i I have to spell the name out because it's uh, a bit of a weird uh, name in terms of trying to read it out but it's photo aq21 also messaged in saying about the ltir juggling that we saw and that uh, their opinion was that Putting stone on LTIR and bringing in Eichel kind of lost some of the synergy within the team. Um, so and they obviously they highlight that they're new to hockey this season as well. Now the salary cap LTIR juggling that we saw was because and for those of you who may be listening to this podcast who are new to hockey, there is a salary cap in hockey. You cannot go over it. Um, but when a player goes onto LTIR, you don't their salary hit whilst you still have to pay it as a team, as in the physical money, it doesn't contribute towards the salary cap, which means that while a player is on LTIR, you essentially get their cap back. When it's an expensive player like someone like Stone, the cap coming back, even if it's, he's only on LTIR for four or five months, can make a massive difference to what you can do at the deadline and who you can bring in. Um, and I think there's no denying that the Eichel trade was under the assumption that um, Dodonov was going to go somewhere um, to help all of that work. And, and that, that 100% threw a spanner in the works cap-wise for them. They were lucky with a few injuries or unlucky, whichever way you look at it, but that mm-hmm. they actually managed to get it to, to kind of balance. But in terms of Riley Smith, and, and I'll let you get your your six penalty on this as well, JP, in a second... I think Riley Smith is a fantastic talent. I think he is a he's been a fantastic player for the Golden Knights. And if there was no salary cap, then he is a one hundred percent a must resign guy. But we do live in a world with a salary cap. Vegas has made their choice in terms of Stone, um, you know, I call, Marsha Show, others, it just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. So as much as Riley Smith might be a, a re-signed guy, you know, it's um, musical chairs and the music stopped, I'm afraid, for him. There is no chair.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> there is, There just isn't enough space, is there? Um, yeah, and in referencing um, their question, right, would it have been better if they hadn't had to put them on LTIR? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, obviously it would have been ideal if they if if they didn't have to do that. But the, like you said, the situation left them no choice, right? It's just a number of kind of, you know, they're pushing the cap, they're pushing hard to try to get the cup. Um, yeah. You know, they're being aggressive. That's what you have to do. If you want to win a championship in this league, you have to push hard for it. Like, it's a very hard trophy to win. And, um, and so I, I think they're doing... They're just doing that. But unfortunately, there were a couple of un- unforeseen circumstances that, you know, forced them to have to do that dance. And um, I mean, look, like it wasn't a calculated thing where the management sat down and said, you know what, let's put Stone on LTIR later this season. They were doing damage control <laughs> at that point, yeah, right? Yeah. The, do- yeah. the Donoff trade went belly up. Stone got hurt. Patrick Riddy got hurt. They were just doing the dance. It was survival, right? I don't think it was like a calculated thing that the front office did, you know, they would much rather have Stone in the lineup. They'd much rather have Eichel in the lineup. Like, but these are these were just the realities. So, the LTIR thing, I think a lot of people read a little too much into that. Um, do teams, you know, kind of manipulate the cap? Of course they do. <laughs> they do it within the rules. Some people say it's cap circumvention. Call it what you will, and how you feel morally or ethically about that. You know, maybe there's some loopholes in the rules. All teams do it. You know, so we're, you know, they're all on the same playing field. The rules are the same for everybody. Um, exactly. but it's, you know, I, I just think they were doing what they had to do to stay within the rules of the NHL. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's like, oh, wow, that's that one fateful, fateful mistake that they made. I think it's like, wow, they just, they had bad luck and they were trying to kind of trying to keep the train from completely going off the tracks. <laughs> right. Um, and in those situations you do what you have to do. So.
0: I agree and uh, and you're right, that's uh, maybe this is just the accountant in me or ex accountant now in me uh, talking, but if they don't like the fact that teams use LTIR to have you know, to to build up trade bunts, obviously they don't they use it on players that are injured, by the way. I'm not suggesting that people use it mm. uh, you know for players to circumvent the cap. Mm-hmm. But if it's within the rules, it's within the rules. And if people don't like it, fine, change the rules. Change the rules. Yeah, it is. There is the rules. And it is the same for all 32 teams. Um, the questions that one of the other questions we had around specific players was from Chris Collins, who asked whether or not, um, Pacioretty or patches, uh, kind of had his last season as a golden knight. I personally, I can say very quickly, I, I think the answer is no. um, whether or not he resigns when his contract finishes will be another another question. But I don't I don't see him anywhere else except for Vegas next
1: year. I agree with that. I think Patcharredy. The only difficult thing with Patcharredy is as he gets older, like he just gets hurt a lot. But when he's on the ice, tremendously impactful player. I mean. Right. Like in fact there was one little stretch during the season where he was he was scoring at like a goal per game. Like it was he's, you know, he's really dangerous out there. So um I yep. agree I agree with you. ready. I don't think he's going anywhere right now.
0: No, no, and I, look he's he's got a modified no trade clause, but and he's thirty three. So as I say, will he re sign? I'm not so sure, but I don't see him getting traded. If that's not the cap move that that Vegas need to make. I think yeah. that would be a, uh, would yeah. be a bad, especially losing Smith, you need goals. And mm. if Pacioretty does spend a lot of next season, you know, on the physio table, then that gives you some cap to play around with uh, on trade deadline.
1: Right. He's worth having, even if it's for half a season. I mean, you don't want that, but he he's, yeah, he's a big time player. I don't, I think, yeah, while his contract is still in term, I think he's a golden knight. Yep. Completely agree. So, that leaves us with, um, we've got
0: a few questions, but they can be wrapped into one. And then we have, uh, no, one last question after this next one. So the one that we had in, which was from also from um, Vegas Joe, said, and this was echoed also by a couple of others. So when I say this question, whilst I'm actually reading out Vegas Joe's question, uh, Braden Twitter also asked something very similar bernsey you asked something similar as well um so mike the question to you jp is what changes would you make to get the team to be a cup contender and and where do you see specifically on the ice that needs to be addressed is it goaltending is it special teams is it just general health like what would you do and where do you see as being the kind of area that needs needs the most attention
1: yeah I don't know. I, don't, I personally do not believe that there are any glaring issues on the ice that are separate and apart from physical and emotional health. So I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think the roster has any major holes in it. Now, did we see, see that played out on the ice? No. But I don't think that's because of the way the roster was built. So I think, the, I think this long off season for everybody to rest up and get fully healthy will be worth its weight in gold. And I, but I do think there are some psychological kind of emotional locker room, maybe morale things that could be worked on. If anything, I think, yeah, maybe just team culture-wise, I think the team needs to find a way to relax and have fun again. There's a tremendous amount of pressure on this organization, and you could see it. Like what the, the last game of the season, the Knights played the Blues. Now, given the Blues kind of phoned that one in a little bit, they weren't. they certainly weren't given their best game. It's one of those things you've clinched. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to risk injury. Yes, they were playing for home ice against Minnesota. And so they, that, that was on the line for that game. But, um, but that's not enough. Playing for home ice is not enough if you're already in. Like t- Guys are going to avoid getting injured over risking an injury to get home ice. Uh, I really believe for most NHL players, they're like, that's fine. We'll start on the road. I'm just not getting hurt. Now, all that mm-hmm. being said, though, the Knights were playing nice and loose. Um, and it was not, it was fun to see it was a team that was Mm -hmm. playing with no pressure and it was a little glimpse of what they're able to do when they can relax and just enjoy themselves. Right. And so I do think you got to do something about the pressure, about the expectations. They need to find a way to manage that better. and And the team needs to figure out a way to sort of just start having fun again. You know, that's a philosophical answer as opposed to like a roster answer. But I really do believe I don't you know, you know me and that's like that's my style. But I really don't believe that I don't think there are are any major holes in this roster barring maybe they got to figure the goaltender thing out. But with Logan Thompson and, you know, with Logan Thompson and uh, Leonard you probably have a pretty solid tandem right there. Uh, you know, I, I kind of think Brossois is probably on his way out, but um, so really, I don't even know that we're lacking in the goaltender department. It's more just about is Leonard going to be healthy? How long is that surgery going to keep him out? Like there's a couple questions there, but um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's my take on it. I, I really don't think they need to do much. I don't think they need to go out and find this or find that. They just need to get cap compliant and then just work on getting healthy emotionally and physically. Yeah, I think that's um I would agree with
0: uh, most of those sentiments. That goalie wise, you've got uh Brousse signed up for next season as well. So I would look to clear that mm. um salary. So I would I would personally mm-hmm. move him on I so think that I probably will you move could him. use Yep, so that you could use Logan Thompson as, mm-hmm. as your as your backup and have a Thompson and Leonard uh, scenario. Uh, like you said, if Lennar is gonna miss some of the season, and that's already known, then you would maybe keep Broswar around because you know that Leonard's contract being $5 million a year, if he's going to miss a couple of months, he's probably going to get covered LTIR-wise anyway. Defensively, there's some questions. I mean, look, if it was me and I was in charge of the Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, I know that uh, a lot of our dedicated listeners uh, hate that I keep bringing this up, so I'm going to do it one last time just to wind you up guys but um, <laughs> Jonathan Master show is got two years left after this year um, which will means that he is going to be 33 34 when his contract ends uh, William Carlson is 29 currently and he has five years left after this season uh, in fact actually has more than that he has uh, no no he is he does have five years left Uh I, Even though he has a modified no-trade clause, personally, William Carlson's cap space for me would be a real lifeline for the Vegas Golden Knights. Dadonov needs to move as well. So potentially, if you move Dandanov, and let's assume that he is going to move, um, that saves you $5 million. Um, But William Carlson really does give you some flexibility. I, I haven't run the numbers, so I, I don't know whether or not you can do it by not moving him, but potentially with Tadanov and Carlson moved, maybe you can actually re-sign Riley Smith, albeit for, on a short-term contract. Um, but what I've seen in William Carlson this year is a player that is, is very quickly kind of falling down the roster in terms of his importance. And Chandler Stevenson's been fantastic. You've got Nick Warren in there as well, he has been fantastic. Obviously Yamark's yeah, been pretty good, but has been injured. Um you've got uh you've got in there if I can find his name. You've got Nolan Patrick in there as well as center wise. So I you've got Jack Eichel, mm, like Brett Howden. Yeah, you're stacked. Mm-hmm. Brett Howden, like I just feel like it's now we might not want to lose um Carlson, but there's he has like he has value and it's a real juggling act as to when you trade somebody because you don't want to trade somebody too early because you might need them, but you also don't want to trade somebody too late because if you trade them too late and they don't have any value, mm-hmm. then that's when you get into this position where you have to start have to giving stuff away with that player to just get somebody to take the cap. And you know, if if I was a team going for the playoffs and I could afford to take William Carlson on, I would. So I certainly do not dislike the player. I think he's very good, but I just feel like it's a position that you don't need. Like, is he going to play third line next year at six million a year? That's I don't think that's I don't think you can afford it. To be honest, mm-hmm. even even if the numbers work out, you know, next year. So that's what. Other than what you said, JP, that's the only thing that I would look at. I wouldn't look to make major major changes, but I do think that William Carlson. Is one of those that I would be thinking, what am I going to do with him long term? Mm-hmm. Is he just going to be a Vegas Golden Knight? If so, fine. Then you're going to have to give him minutes because there's no point having having someone on six million and playing them, you know, kind of eight minutes a night. It just doesn't just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, that's the only thing that I would do differently. And it, it's gone, so it's gone, JP.
1: No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, it's um, the teams I was just gonna say the team is extremely center heavy. You're, you're totally right about that. I mean, they got centers just coming out their ears. So, they're, yeah, some center, a center or two is probably gonna go. I would imagine, and Carlson's definitely a good candidate. So,
0: and, and I can totally understand why there was people just there saying, Ian, no. Like I get, I get it. (laughs) He's a fan favorite. I can, I can, I can feel you from here. I can hear the 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 anger is coming through the the waves but <laughs> the it's and wild bill is just been uh, he has been so amazing for for vegas and he was one of those players you know wild bill was exactly what i was hoping to see in some of the seattle players this year where you know he he was not done but he was seen as this kind of third fourth line center in columbus and he came to vegas and like just took the team by the scruff of the neck and was a mate that first season he was absolutely outstanding but that was five years ago and the team in my opinion has has, has kind of moved on mm-hmm. and you know as i said he has value it would be a real sad thing to see him leave and the management are probably thinking do we need another reason for everybody to hate us but you know, that's the job of management is to make the decisions that people don't want to make because right. they have to take the emotion out of it. And for me, if you took the emotion out of it,
1: I think he's somebody who has to has to go. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I, I, I definitely could wrap my head around that. I think I think there's some real logic to it.
0: Oh, like that's some real logic to it. But we all hate the idea.
1: Ian, to no, just no, no. It. It's I, I mean, I love <laughs> no, Carlson, again. too. I'd be super <laughs> sad to see him go. But you're right. The, the reality is the reality, right? They're cap strapped. Somebody's got to go. They've got to make some room. So, I mean, and who's it going to be? That's a really tough call. But I think, Mm. I think you're spot on. I think Carlson, Mm. you know, and he's, you could say maybe he's even underperforming a little bit at this point, you know, based on what he's getting paid. But um, no, 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 I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Just, I don't love the idea of him going from an emotional standpoint, but from a, from from a strictly hockey standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And,
0: and and this is just me saying this directly to the Vegas uh, management, who obviously listens to this podcast every week. Um, if if you are going to trade him, do not trade him to any team in the West, because that would be really <laughs> stupid. Good point. Right? Very good if point. If you're going to trade him anywhere, trade him right over to that East Coast exactly. so that you don't play him every week. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, he's, you know... I would not want to see William Carlson with, a, with an axe to grind yep. playing you five, six times a year. So, Very good point. Uh, that yeah. would be painful. <laughs> um, I mean, Seattle-wise, talking about off-season stuff, I think we've kind of done it to death, but the most important thing, we said this on the uh, podcast, it was either last week or the week before, the most important thing in the off-season for Seattle this year is the draft. They have to get that right. They really really did this this draft is arguably actually more important than the first one because they've got so many picks unfortunately they don't have as many first round picks as we would have liked to have seen but they have four second round picks a third round pick three fourth round picks and obviously their first their fifth their sixth and their seventh but you know, it, 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 the team where they are right now, that's, that is that—is the most important thing. So if I was in the Seattle front office, I'd be making sure that my scouts are being constantly supplied with coffee so that they can get all the work done that they need <laughs> to to make sure that you draft the right guys. You know? yeah. I mean, if you get a first overall pick, that's fantastic but boy make sure you pick the right guy because mm-hmm. those first initial edmonton those first round picks don't come like first overalls don't come around every year so right. <laughs> you know you need to make sure you choose choose well choose wisely so yeah, there exactly. is one last question one last question for us to uh, to nail off in this episode and i know it's been a little longer than usual guys but hopefully everybody has sticked with us and and you know, the reason why, as long as it is, is because we've had so many great questions in. So so thank everybody again for doing that. And the last one comes from, from our friend, Mr. Tim Ward, uh, who, and this is, this is why this is such a nice one to finish on. So he said, uh, now that we are out, um, so he's obviously talking about Vegas because <laughs> there's no Seattle fans that use the term, now we are out, because we <laughs> never saw ourselves as being in. Um, who do we want to see win the Stanley Cup? And what matchups do you want to see in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I've I've been really, I've been really impressed with with how Florida has played this year. I mean, I I don't have any particular allegiance to that team. It's just a pleasure to watch them play. Like, they're just Mm -hmm. such an impressive juggernaut of a team out there. Um, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing, seeing Florida make something happen, honestly. Like, you know, any other opinions about the team aside, um, also easier to root for the east you know the eastern conference teams because we just don't face them that often so there's there's not a lot of bitter rivalries there so but uh i would like to see them i i think they're going to make some noise in the playoffs for sure so it's florida for me well i i'm probably a little
0: bit torn um in terms of who i want to see win it uh nobody on on the uh Western Conference because that would be uh, too painful, mm-hmm. um, and definitely not Toronto because I'm, I'm not a massive fan, as as people know. Florida, though, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure about. I, don't, I mean that they've been fantastic. It would be it would be great for them to win it. Uh, I just I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those where there's so many good teams at the moment. And so many teams that have played well on that. I, I, my personal choice, if I have to root for anybody here, and I'm guessing that's what they want me to do, <laughs> so
1: is I like Carolina. Mm, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I kind of wondered if you're going to go with the Hurricanes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, the, the, you know, I, we can, I can bore everybody with a real, the full story uh, on another episode. But the first team that I ever really kind of got behind, obviously, was Chicago, as people know. But one of the teams that I always had a real soft spot for was Carolina. And, um, Cam Ward was the goalie, and I used to, you know, you know, it was NHL was out in those days, and I would always be Eric stall I mean, they had loads of players that I really, really liked back in the day, and and I, I think the Carolina fan base has been through a lot. Um, you know, they were the Arizona of the league for a period of time. Everyone was talking about them getting moved on here, there, and everywhere, and that there wasn't the fan base, and the, you know, it was just a mess. The new owner came in, and fair dues to him. He's you know he's kicked some ass, and it's and it, it's now it's now you know clicking through. So um, they've got a tough uh, route to the uh, to the to the Stanley Cup final. Let's, let's not beat around the bush. They, mm-hmm. they do start with a a, a go at, at Boston, <laughs> which yeah. is not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and and Boston are a damn good team, but I, I think I'd like to see Carolina. Carolina do it um and uh yeah and then we'll so so nobody nobody from the west that's that's for certain yeah so in terms of matchups there's a few there's a few ones that I'm really excited about um and the one that everybody is excited about let's be honest is Toronto versus Tampa I think that has the potential to be an absolute gold fest which means that probably game one is going to finish one nil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> after, after all, the, all these kind of sixty goal scorers on the ice and then yeah, you know, yeah. they can they can't hit a barn door. Um <laughs> and then on the Western Conference, I'm quite excited about Minnesota versus St. Louis, only because they're they're kind of like they're the dark horses, for what I see it. Everyone's looking at Calgary on the West, everyone's looking at um the Avs, of course and 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 Edmonton are going to be kind of you know this is like is this going to be McDavid's year kind of thing so but I just I personally feel like St Louis, I've been saying it for a little while they, they're they're kind of built for the playoffs. I could see that being quite a good bout, so mm-hmm. I'm excited to watch the playoffs. I might not be as invested as, as as I have been in years gone by because I haven't got a team um and i guess i'm gonna have to pick carolina to be my team just so i'm a little bit more kind of embedded into it but that would be to answer tim's question carolina and uh and what matchups do i want to see most i want to watch them all but it's just never possible being being a brit so Mm. so there we go cool well that's been a ton of fun going through those questions um I'm really like you know humbled is the best word for me to use. We've been humbled this season, as in this season for for me and JP anyway. In terms of the amount of you that have have, have you know started listening to the show, um, it probably doesn't surprise anybody. But you know this sad analytics guy that I am about hockey that like, I annoy JP with with that on a hockey side and with the podcast side when i when i delve into analytics on that piece as well and (laughs) to see our listener numbers grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and you know regular listens as well so people coming back and it's just you know it's just as said humbling and and thank you very much for that so to run through all the people who sent in questions so we had we had hermit we had braden tweeter we had bernsey we had chris collins we had Craig. We had—I uh, was either pronounced Lewis or Louis Quintana. We had Marty. We had Mike. Photo AQ21. P. tac Attack Thirty. Uh, the ever-reliable Rita. Uh, the real Mister Hoot. Uh, Mister Ward and uh, Vegas Joe. So thanks to to everybody, and you know, a special shout out to all those that have engaged with the show, obviously over the over the season as well. I'm thinking about people like. Uh, like Nikki who uh we know listens while she's uh while she's at work so hopefully today's work day has not been too bad uh <laughs> if you're if you're listening to us then then that's grand can't be that bad if you've if you've got the uh, cracking night show on um but so yeah it's great to uh to see that that level engaged that's exactly why we do this you know otherwise it would just be the
1: two of us talking to each other which is uh not quite as (laughs) exciting yeah we love you guys thank you so much for for your all your support and your comments and uh yeah this like you said that's why we do this it's a ton of fun to to talk with all of you and um and write this sport that we love and it's been an awesome season uh chatting about hockey and we're looking forward to a lot more
0: exactly exactly so this is the last episode of the season for us um Ending a little sooner than we originally anticipated, but never mind. Um, so what it means is there's not going to be any more weekly episodes, um, but we are going to do some special episodes at various points during the off-season. So there will be a special episode around the draft. There'll be a special episode around free agency. There'll be a special episode um, pre-draft as well as post-draft in terms of the draft lottery, because obviously that happens in a couple of weeks' time. Actually, next week, I think it happens on the 10th from memory. Um, and we may do some other stuff during the off season as well. We've got a few things planned with some of our, our guests to kind of do returning shows. We had the potential live episode that we were talking around with Marty and Mike, which we which we're hoping to get done, which will involve beer, um, a live microphones, uh, you know, and what, what could go wrong there. Um, <laughs> so whilst we might not be, you know, on Spotify weekly, you know, we're going to be, uh, we will be. here in some way shape or form so as JP said and just to reiterate it thanks to all of you for listening throughout the year it's it's really appreciated Um, and uh, let's hope that both Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights have better seasons next season Uh, but come rain or shine the Kraken Knights show will be here covering the latest and greatest as we always do hopefully you'll be here too so until then stay safe Stay well. Thank you very much. See you soon. Bye-bye.